Welcome everyone, you are listening to the I Am A Sparching Podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show, it will probably suck. Scott the Fane Knowles, and you are listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR podcast. On this episode, I talked to Justin Scholl, who run the Tri-State Beast this past weekend. And it was kind of bittersweet for me because I've been there the past three years, so I missed it this year. But it was sweet because me and my girlfriend tried a new venue in South Florida. I had some points on my credit card, so we stayed at Deerfield Beach and we run the uh, sprint that was in Boca Raton. We had a great time. Me and my girlfriend both run age group, and then we both did fun laps after the age group race on Saturday and Sunday. And my buddy, uh, uh, Joe Laffery, he ran with us on Saturday, and uh, we just had a good time. Always a good time hanging out with friends at the Spartan races. Uh, My girlfriend did great. All she failed was her spear both days. I think she placed like 15th on Saturday, and then 6th or 7th on Sunday, and I placed, I think I placed 7th on Saturday, I failed my spear, and then on Sunday, I got super lucky and managed to get 3rd place in my age group, Uh, one guy failed his spear, and my buddy Bruce Jackson, he just wasn't there, if Bruce would have been there, there was no podium for me, because Bruce is a badass, and Bruce got 1st place, in age group on Saturday, um, Joe Rivera that I just interviewed, he got on the podium. I think he got first place in his age group. Um, my buddy Daniel Smith, I haven't interviewed him. I've asked him a couple of times and he's kind of gave me cold shoulder. Uh, he got on the podium Sunday. I was really happy for him, man. Cause he's been putting in some hard work, man. And man, he was just crushing it out of the gate both days, just hauling ass, man. And it was, it was impressive to see because a lot of times in some races like last year, you know, we would kind of be at the same pace coming out of the gate. And now I can't even, I can't even hang with them coming out of the gate. And Cole DeRosa, who I interviewed a couple episodes ago, man, dude just took over the weekend. I mean, he placed third place in elite, then jumped in the age group box and won his age group. I mean, dude come over the wall right before we went off. I mean, just sweating. He looked like he'd been rained on. He was sweating so hard, still breathing hard, man. Just went out there and crushed it. And then on Sunday, he did the exact same thing, but he got second place in elite, man. My, my hat's off to this dude, man. He's just, he's just super badass, man. And it was just awesome to see him out there doing it and to cheer him on, man. Uh, it was just a good weekend, man, and had a really great time out there. A lot of my friends were running elite, and we got to cheer them on. Buddy Logan and Bill and Darun, man, it was just, it was just fun cheering everybody on and being able to see them go through some of the obstacles before our heat started. It was just a good time. If you ever get a chance to go down there and try that venue out, it was, it was really good. And uh, Garfield, uh, I think it's Garfield Griffiths, he put on the race. All of his races have been good that I've gone to. His staff was great down there. The volunteers were great, and uh, we had a good time. 
Uh, I don't have any new reviews at this time, so we'll just go into the interview with Justin Scholl. Here you go. Justin Scholl, what is up, my friend? How are you today? I'm doing well, man. Just sitting in the uh, backyard, crack the beer, uh, have some fun, and, and talk to you. Resting up from that tri-state beast this past weekend, right? Yeah, yeah that race did not uh, go according to plan on, on my end. Uh, the temps and, and the winds were just brutal. I was uh, super numb. Um, not have been training the way I should have been over the past few weeks. And uh, I ended up taking about three quarters of the skin off my right kneecap, coming off a twister into Hercules Hoist. So, oh burpee God. free. Yeah, dude, burpee free the entire race. Awesome. Tried some new, ob- tried some new obstacles, which were, were a lot of fun. Beater was a lot of fun. I got a big wingspan, uh, so that was Nice, nice, easy momentum swing through. Uh, but coming, coming into Hercules, I'm a small dude, man. I'm 5'10", 150. Uh, oh, yeah. So there, there's, there's not a whole lot of uh, emphasis in the, in, the, in the arms there. So I ended up getting about 80%. I got to use my legs in Hercules. And I just, I couldn't risk taking off half my, half the three quarters of my kneecap. And it just dropped. So 30 burpees. My goal was three minutes. Sorry, three hours and thirty minutes. The year prior, I ran three forty-eight, and the temps just—they just got to me, and I, I ran a uh, disappointing, to me, disappointing four hours and ten minutes. But uh, it is what it is. You know, not every race is a good race, right? Hey, that's still a good time for Jersey, man. And, and you know, and a jer- like a Jersey beast is not something, that's not a race where you can say, well, I did this time last year and I did this time yep. this year. Man, those races are, I mean, you, you do a lot of the same climbs, but, you know, as far as the technicality of the terrain that they send you through sometimes there, man, you just can't compare one year's race to the next. You just can't do it, man. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what my downfall was, to be honest with you, Scott, was I was looking at the, the maps and stuff, and I know I'm one of those weird people that uh, that studies the map. Um, Me too. So I, I, have, I, I have glasses, right? I have astigmatism, and I do not race with glasses, and I cannot wear contacts. So when I race, I am, no joke, I'm about half blind. That kind uh, of sucks. So I need, <laughs> I, need, I need to study that map to see what's coming up so I know where I am. It was identical to last year, and I kind of went into that, I think, a little cocky, like, oh, well, you know, I did 348 last year, and hell, I can, I, I can easily do 330. And for about the first five miles, I was on pace for it. And then that wind and cold set in, and it was just like, this This is not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I know, like, see, because when I looked at the map, and, you know, I didn't do a side-by-side comparison, but to me it looked different. But and I, and I saw a post where a lot of people were saying, "Oh, it's the same map as the year before." But and it did kind of look like the carries were in about the same place, were they? Yeah, Bucket Brigade was literally the same place. Same place. Um, That's lame because that bucket carry was easy last year. I want twenty seventeen bucket carry, man. That was awesome. No, dude, twenty seventeen was ridiculous. That one of the worst bucket carries I've ever been a part of. That was the best bucket um, carry ever. <laughs> <laughs> Sandbag was in the same place, but it was a different variation. Uh, in 17, we started 
and went down and then came back up, dropped the sandbag, and started back up the mountain. Where this year, you came down and ran to the bottom of the hill, grabbed the sandbag, came up, went back down, and oh. then went all the way back up. So it was a different it was a different variation. Oh wow. Um it was I think again, me being a smaller guy, this was uh a little more difficult for me going up first. Right. Well if you had I mean vert and when you're talking about going up that hill twice with the sandbags, so that that's pretty rough because it was it was a pretty long, steady climb last year. Yeah, it was about the same it was about the same this year. Okay. And then, naturally, just as I cleared the sandbag, I hear bears on the left. Yay! And I start to, start to climb, and I look over. Again, I'm half blind, and these guys are, and I'm standing <laughs> next to the three guys from Connecticut. And I was like, what are you talking about bears? And they said, look over there. You weren't like, whose and dog is this? <laughs> and there's, there's mama bear and four cubs. It was like, oh, damn, oh. we need to move. Yeah, that's not cool, cool if there's though. cubs around. Yes. Throw your sandbags at it. <laughs> so, have you ever, like, thought about getting... Because I know uh, one friend of mine, he wears, like, those prescription, like, goggles that you can actually, you know... I mean, you can submerge underwater, and, I mean, they're like goggles, and they're your actual prescription and all. you ever thought about getting some of those to help with that? Because, man, that's got to be super scary, especially at Tri-State, man, because there's a lot of, you know, jagged rocks that you're running over there, too, man. So it's 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 something that's been brought up to me numerous times by a bunch of my teammates uh, about wearing those, uh, and I absolutely... Uh, refuse to wear those. I've been I've been running since I was in eighth grade. Uh, right. Ran track in high school, eight hundred meter, uh, f- uh, four by eight, sixteen hundred, thirteen, thirty two hundred, um, big cross country. Um, and I live about seven miles away from the Palmerton venue. And thankfully, the mountain opens up for summer activities May eleventh. Right. And I will be up there every Sunday from May 11th till they close the mountain. Um, I know that mountain like the back of my hand, so I do a lot of cool. training on technical trails, half line. <laughs> um, so it's just—it's actually something I've gotten used to. Uh, knock on wood. In the four years that I've been in this sport, I have not rolled an ankle. Nothing. I just—I uh, have a good feel for uh, for the terrain. Last year I did America's Tough Sputter in Boston, right. um, and I fell one time, you know, with running running through technical terrain in, in the middle of the night, uh, no glasses. So it's something that I've been, I've learned to accustom myself to, right. and just kind of learn to to embrace, and I can I can deal with it, and I'm pretty good with it. That's cool. I remember when I was like 15 and I skateboarded like every single day and I, I finally got like my first pair of glasses and I remember, you know, and it was, it sucked trying to skate with glasses on, but I remember putting them on and skating the first time and just knowing, just realizing how much clear everything was for the first time, you know, the difference, you know, cause like as soon as I got them, I pretty much just went skating right after I got my glasses and it was just like night and day. And I was like, man, I can't believe I've been skateboarding and just being so blind before now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a different, uh, challenge to 
to overcome for sure, especially especially racing. Uh, you know, when you get in those shady trails, it's a little difficult for me, but we get through it. Right. So, Justin, I mean, t- let's back up a little bit and tell me a little bit about yourself, man. I, I mean, I know you live close to, like, the Palmerton event and all, but, like, man, what do you what do you do for a living, man? Are you married? got kids? What's up? So, I uh, I got married young. Uh, I'm 34. Uh, this, this May, I will be married 12 years to my beautiful wife, Amanda. We have a 9-year-old daughter, Riley, who is super into obstacle course racing and for a living i am a brewer for samuel adams i've been brewing beer now professionally for about seven years oh that's cool man i and i saw uh you had like some videos and pictures where uh your little girl did the uh the kids race at new jersey too was that her first time doing that there no she's uh not her first time there so i uh i struck a deal with her once i got into the sport which is kind of a a, a weird story, um, but I struck a deal with her and said that anywhere Dad races, there's a kids race, you can race. Um, and Vernon is actually her favorite venue. So this is oh, our wow. fourth year in Vernon. Uh, this was the first time, though, that she was a part of a time race. So she's done about, between Spartan and Savage, she has done about 15 or 16 uh, different races sometimes, especially at Palmer, and she'll run two, three times a day. Uh, she loves it, wow. and it's, it's fun to watch the pure joy of her of her racing and her love for the sport. I, I kind of take that as my reward for, for racing. I get to finish it, and I get to watch her, her have some fun. See, and that's cool. So you got to keep doing the sport because now she's gotten into it, so you got to keep doing it too no matter what. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. So she's nine next. She just turned nine at the end of March. Right. So next year, uh, she'll be 10 and doing competitive uh, two miles. So I'm super, super excited to be training with her uh, and and watch her career kind of blossom and, and watch her turn into the athlete that, that she can be. And I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm somebody that always tries to get people to try the sport but i'm a bigger advocate of i don't care if you want to ocr race or not get your kid in it right uh, yeah. and I, i'm always pushing it because that's the next generation of the sport and that's what's going to make this thing what it is and, and keep growing and, and seeing these kids i have more fun watching the kids race than i do actually racing i know this weekend i was running uh the sprint and we were doing our second lap and they and the kids race had started man and it it was just so funny you know and interesting to watch the kids just go out there and bang it out on that on that kids course it was it 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 is fun to watch and i think it's really cool you say that uh your little girl's favorite course is the uh the vernon course because that course is no joke for the kids i know the past two years i've been there the kids course usually goes off to the left of where that steep hill is coming down to the finish line. So it's yeah, a pretty little hilly there, course. They started there again this year and dude, that hill is no joke. Yeah. I mean, even for an adult, and it's just, it's funny. Like my daughter's kind of, she can be shy and reserved, but it's funny to watch. Like she gets in that starting gate and she's got like the Jean-Claude Van Damme face. Like, <laughs> Like it's game time, Dad. Like I got, I got stuff I got to do, and I got to plan. So it's cool to see how the kids, how the kids change, and and uh, 
we have uh, a bunch of people on my team whose kids race, and we're a junior team, and it's cool just to see all the all the parents on our team come out and, and watch the kids and how the kids react and how they how they tackle the course, and it's just I mean it's it's a good family event. That's pretty cool, man. I'm in race mode, Dad. Back off. <laughs> <laughs> So, man, you said you took a spill. Uh, what did you take a spill off a twister, or was it in a section of trail right after that? So I, I cleared twister, uh, and coming down, it was literally the downhill where the 2017 Bucket Brigade was. Right. Uh, and like I said, you know, we're training in Palmer, and like I, I can run the, the downhills pretty well. Um, but there was just so much mud that uh, I was coming off a twister. I was maybe like I would say 50 yards away from twister. And I went to start to carry some momentum downhill to come into Hercules, and my right foot just gave out, and and down I went. And, and I mean, I wasn't altogether mentally, you know, racing stuff. And I stood up, and in my my racing pants, I saw this huge hole, and I was like, well, "That's weird." Mm. And then I saw like this this white sticking out of my out of the hole in my pants, and I'm like, "Damn, man, I'm wearing black compression shorts, black." Great, you know, compression tights, and I got black KT tight on. I was like, "What the heck is this white thing sticking out of the, the mm. pants?" So I just pulled it. Uh, here it was three quarters of my kneecap. So Dang. three quarters of my kneecap is on Vernon. So hopefully, I can get that back next year. <laughs> so you took some of the race home with you? Yeah, yeah. Took a little. Took a little of uh, Spartan Kiss home. So at what mile was that? Was that like towards the end? I mean, you said it was coming down that yeah. hill. Yeah, it was literally like the absolute end. Twister was the third to last obstacle, and then you had Hercoist, and then, you know, how they always have rope climb rope at the climb end, and then the you end. climb up that little hill, and it's right down. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say no, no more than a thousand yards away from the finish line. Well, that's good. It was at the end and not like at the beginning for sure. Oh, for sure. I, if I would have had that in the beginning, with how how it felt, I don't know if I would have. I don't know if I would have finished. So were you able to just, were you able to run on it, or did you have to just kind of limp it in? I, I was able to run on it uh, a little bit, um, but with me being like I said, a small guy, like I got to use my foot for Hercules, and right, my it was my right foot, which is my dominant leg, and I just I just could not. I got like eighty percent, and it was like this isn't gonna. This is not happening. I know, I know, I saw a lot of stuff on like the Spartan forums and the Facebook pages of people saying that Hercules was, that Hercules was so light. I don't know if I picked the wrong bag or not, but man, that thing, that thing felt like 150 pounds. Man, I tell everybody this, you know, like, you know, if you're going to an open house, Go ahead and check all the Hercules horse bags. You know, if you, if it's a problem obstacle for you, Check them and try because a lot of times some of them will be lighter than the others. And like in South Florida this weekend, there was either two or three of them where when you looked at the top where the pulley was at, they had the bag was slung over the rope that was tied to the gate. So the rope is the ropes are twisted. So, I mean, you've got that bind when you pull it up. I mean, so, I mean, there's a lot of factors there. You got, you know, like the pulleys can be worn, you know, some bags can be heavier than others. 
and then you might have some that the ropes are twisted too so i always tell somebody you know if you're if you have the opportunity to go to an open house that's usually the first thing i always check you know is to find a a good bag that moves clean and smooth you know and and don't just find one pick a few of them you know because if you're running up there you know and it's competitive heat have a few in mind or at least know where the ones are at they're like super freaking heavy man yeah, so I had I had a good buddy of mine. Uh, he was at the open house and literally did that. And before I started, I, I had saw him, and uh, he gave me, you know, he he had checked the bags and, and that, and he kind of gave me a heads up as to where, what lane I kind of wanted to be in. And um, I got down there. I was like, all right, I know what I got to do, man. I want to go. I want to go four in to the left. And I got there, and there's three dudes in line. I was like, oh man. Man, somebody else got the memo. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, shit. Well, I ended up going two into the left, and needless to say, that was uh, not the right choice for me. <laughs> so, heal up, man. Get ready. Uh, we got Savage. My next race is, um, well, next OCR is uh, Savage PA. Um, we should have a big showing for, for our team there uh and we're going to be chasing uh best overall protein so i'm super excited for that race i'm a i'm a grip oriented rig guy uh and that's what that's what they're about so i'm looking forward to that race right so where is the savage race at in uh in pennsylvania it's at a paintball course called skirmish in a town called albrightsville um it's like the southern edge of the poconos right um which i live like just kind of south of the, the southern edge and um it's only like a, a 40 minute run for me so it'll be nice to uh get back on another home course right cool and, and i noticed you said your team and i didn't it say only on, on your facebook page that you're the founder of what is it the lehigh valley spartans is that it yeah that's correct yeah so i am the founder of the lehigh valley spartans uh i started that in 2016 um kind of started that just kind of based off of my first ever race and that kind of debacle. Um, and it, it's grown from uh, me and my original teammate, Patrick Grubbs, who me and him just kind of raced together to have some fun. Um, and it's grown now to close to about 600 members. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we're still a small team, but um, we have quality over quantity and uh, it's something I'm very very proud of um and i there, you know there, everything about our team we have uh everything from spartan overall race winners down to folks that are just trying to get in the sport see what it's about and and have some fun um it started out as a team but now it's it's i always tell our teammates you know it's not a team anymore like we have truly become a family and it's something that I am genuinely proud of. That's cool, man. So do y'all do like a lot of local races around there too and not just like OCRs, like just running and trail races? Um, yeah, so this year we, um, we're we actually going to be partnering with Blue Mountain Ski Resort, which is where the Palmerton venue is. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, they got, I think off the top of my head, I think seven trail races they're doing this year. Um, so they're doing... 
they're doing their series and like their summer series and the Blueburn course and there's some other trail races and 5K. So, I mean, we have people, and we're not even really hyper local now. We got teammates up in Massachusetts, Connecticut. Some of our teammates moved to Florida. So we're kind of actually diversifying um, geographically, which is something I never um, imagined. But we have people that do everything from 5K road races, trail races, OCRs, ultra trail marathons. You know, it's kind of the, the whole spectrum, which is, is neat to see the accomplishments that our, our teammates uh, are doing. And it's nothing to have any given weekend. you got teammates racing in, in three different states. Oh, that's cool. So, and I also so I also saw on your Facebook page that you are a member, or you're the secretary of the USA OCR uh, founding group, or what? I don't know exactly what it is, but I know it it has it's like a governing body for OCR or something like that. What is that all about? So yeah, so USA OCR works with um, World OCR. Um, Right now, it's small. Um, we're trying to, big picture, is try to unify the sport um, with uh, insurance uh, and sanctioning and kind of bring everything together. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we're working hard with. And when I say insurance, we're talking um, insurance for athletes to where they're covered from the time they leave the house till the time they get back. And if or what we're really trying to work on is to where if you become a member, once um, we can get brands sanctioned, um, instead of spending, I'm just going to use Spartan as an example because we know they're $14 insurance. Right. But if, we, if Spartan would, for whatever reason, decide to come on board with us, um, if you sign you're up for your membership, your insurance is good for that year. So you won't have to pay that $14 every race. You'd be covered for, for the year under under our insurance. Uh, basically, what the USA OCR is about is just kind of making sure that um, obstacles are safe, every athlete's treated fairly, um, there's no discrimination whatsoever, everybody has an equal opportunity, um, and just kind of help unify the sport. Hmm. So, you know, when you talk about that insurance thing, that's pretty interesting to me. Is there any uh, race companies that have kind of signed on to that at this point? Uh, we do have a few things in the works um, with a couple companies. Um, at this time, I can't really say what those companies are just because those contracts have not been finalized yet. Right. Now, I, th- I mean, I think that's honestly would be uh, – a really great thing because I'm sure everybody, you know, has complained at one time about the additional fees that you have to pay on top of the, you know, your race sign up. So if there would be a way you could have an insurance to, you know, beforehand to where you don't have to pay that extra cost, I'm sure a lot of people would sign up for that or sign a petition yeah, for it. It's, it's definitely something that's going to take some time. Yeah. Um, um, I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, when I when I came on with them, I thought it would be something that we, that we could get done relatively quick. But there's you know 
there's a lot of stuff that I never even thought of that goes into this. Oh, I'm sure. Getting people, it, it, it is, it's a lot of work. Um, the executive board um, puts in a lot of time on this. Um, and I know from like the general public, it doesn't look like a lot of things are being done and a lot of traction is being made, but there is a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So it is exciting. Um, it'll definitely be exciting once everything is worked out and we can bring all these uh, offers to the different brands and, and hopefully truly unify the sport uh, when it comes to the athletes themselves. So I, I remember when, when they first announced it, they were forming this uh, this panel or company or whatever you want to call it. And you heard a lot about it at first, but it I haven't heard as much here recently. Like how often do y'all meet and, um, like how, how is it, how does it work? You know? So we, there's, there's a bunch of committees. Um, right now the committees, um, there's not much going on cause we're trying to get the insurance every and all that stuff kind of, uh, right. squared away. Um, but with the executive board, we, we meet every other week, um, on a Wednesday for, for a call, which is kind of interesting cause we have people in, Three or four different time zones, so that's always a little interesting. Oh, I'm sure. Um, you know, some people are getting ready to go to bed. Some people are <laughs> lunch breaks or just getting home from work. Um, but we're we're getting it together. Hey, that's cool. It's it's good to hear that there's you know somebody out there like that trying to do that and make the sport grow. You know, in a good way too. So yeah, um, absolutely. And how many members are actually part of this? Oh man, off the top of my head, I I don't know. I would have to I'd have to dig through some some spreadsheets, some membership spreadsheets. Off the top of my head, yeah, I really couldn't give you an accurate number. Hmm. So, um, so you said you you live like pretty close to Palmerton, right? Oh yeah. And that you've been I'm training seven miles away. Okay, and you've been training out there for a long time. So I'm going to Palmerton this year. And since you train on those trails all the time, I would say my biggest downfall fall at Palmerton was the when you come to the wide open, just really nice level. I mean, I say just level ground, like it wasn't technical, but it was just steep downhill running. To me, that's hard for me to do. I think I feel like I can run better on a technical downhill than I can on just a clean downhill because it's like I can't run fast enough to keep up with it. And then I feel like if I open up my stride too much, I'm just going to bang my knees and just wear out my knees and my hip flexors, man. Like what are your strategy and tips to running those steep downhills? So just from that description, I already know where you're talking. You are and I'm sure you don't know the trail name, but you are talking about Upper Sidewinder, where when you're at the top of the mountain, you're coming downhill on those open trails for a little while, and then you duck back into the woods. Yes. Um, so um, I try to be, I open my stride as best as I can, and I just let uh, momentum carry me down. But at the same point in time, what works for me personally is I use the balls of my feet and I try to be as light on my feet as possible. And I also switch between right foot 
first and left foot first. I will constantly try to almost um, like slalom or switch back down. Right. Um, and try to make sure that I can time when I switch between right foot first and left foot first and watch for the like those drainage ditches. I'll try to make sure that I'm switched prior to that so I'm not switching coming over and risk uh, a slip. I think if you're, when it comes to that stuff, if you're light on the feet, uh, I think that's going to be your best chance. So, when, and you're talking about switching from going left and going right. Are you talking about maybe running kind of like in a sideways kind of fashion? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, that's that would be exactly what I'm talking about. Right on. Okay, so another question I have is, do you practice where they always have that sandbag carry at? Do you ever go out there and practice with sandbags there? Uh, so me and my team members are probably, we probably run on Blue Mountain, I would say on average about 30 times a year. Um, Blue Mountain has a new trail open now for trail running called the Bluebird. Uh, they have a four-and-a-half-mile trail up there, and part of their course is actually the uphill of the sandbag, and they have some OCR training uh, and obstacles there, and one thing that they do put on the top of the sandbag carry is um, a big bin of sandbags. So as long as you come in for the obstacle class and stuff like that, you can you can grab a sandbag and go up there and carry. I know for a fact that some of my teammates have um, do practice on the sandbag carry hill. Um, I don't, I don't think it matters how many times <laughs> you practice that hill. It is still one of the most brutal sandbag carries in the entire circuit for any any brand. I know last year it was it was the to to date that was the hardest sandbag carry I ever did, and I, I run age group, so we had to carry two. <laughs> And I remember when I started, I told myself, I'm going to put one on my shoulders and I'm going to hold the other one and I'm not going to, I'm not going to put them down. And, and, and I, that's exactly what I did because I didn't, I, you know, you watch all the old uh, Spartan races on TV, the NBC series. And it seemed like if, if they let them hit the ground, you know, it just become into a, a grip obstacle because you're constantly picking them up and setting them down because you couldn't get them back up on your shoulders once you let them hit the ground. And last year, yeah, and last year, you know, when we got to the top of the mountain, they said you, you use one of the ruck bags, which was the long black one, and then you carried one of those little greenish gray burlap bags. And so that's what I did. I draped the ruck across my both of my shoulders at first, and then it started just bothering the back of my neck about maybe halfway up the hill on the back. So I had to kind of let it ride on one shoulder, man. And I just remember I would take 10 steps, and then I'd rest the one I was holding in my hands. I'd rest it on my quad, you know, and never set them down on the ground. And, I mean, you'd see some people, they just – They'd pick them up and set them down, and I was just like, I don't want to set these things down, you know, because if I set them down, that's just going to make you want to take a break. So that was that was a, that was an extreme carry to me, and I mean, it it took the life out of you, and it whatever progression you had at in that race when you left that sandbag carry, I mean, you were gassed, and it took you a while to 
just catch back up to, okay, I'm, I'm ready to kind of push a little now. And it, it took a while to get that. And I think it, it crushed my whole race pretty much. Oh, for sure. I, 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 with, with that carry, if you set the bag on the ground, you're done. Mm. You're done. It's as simple as that. It's the same thing with the, the bucket carry uh, they normally do in one of the tubing lanes. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, and it's the same thing. Like, like you, you, you said it perfectly. If you're going to take the break, when you have that, that sandbag, um, you, you rest it on your quad and you lean into the hill. Yeah. And it, otherwise, like you said, it's just going to destroy your grip. It's going to destroy your strength. Try to pull the thing off the ground. And, and get it back up. It's much easier to go from, you know, your off your off your hip or off your your leg to to your arms than trying to pick a sandbag or a bucket up from the ground on what seems like a forty five degree angle. Yeah, I, I would say it probably is a forty five degree angle. <laughs> That's yeah. a, that 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 uphill is steep. <laughs> I mean, it was it was just as steep as the hill at the death march at Killington, but you're carrying two sandbags up it. I mean, it was I mean it was crazy, you know. I'm like, and I remember because me and my friends we talked ourselves into doing a second lap. We did a fun lap after that, and it totally trashed us. And uh, we waited about an hour, and then we signed up, you know, and went and did another lap. And we got up there and just carried one, and it was amazing to me. They had, like, a plastic bin at the bottom of the hill for, like, all the open-class racers were putting their sandbags in it because they'd carry it to the bottom and just turn to the, the curve and saw the hill and were like, fuck that, and just would sit the sandbag right there on the hill and just walk up, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I... <clears throat> I normally, excuse me, I normally run age group. Um, at Palmerton, I do run open wave. Um, and that's just because I go up and volunteer uh, like three, four days out of the week and kind of help um, Woody and the team uh, finish marking the course and, and building the course. So I use those volunteer coats um, to, you know, to, to race the weekend for free. Right. Uh, so this past year, I was the first open wave and by the time I caught age group uh, I caught them before sandbag and there was they were already running out of sandbags and I was coming back up the hill you know I had one at that time um, and there was people going down the hill and and volunteers and, and, and folks just saying do us a favor um, just head down the hill, grab a sandbag, and return it back to the top if you can, please. Oh, wow. Uh, so there was, there was a lot of people, not only open, but age group, just ditching one, one sandbag or just, you know, giving up. I've seen a lot. I've seen a few people up there just absolutely call it quits. And I mean, yeah. I think that, that hill alone, you'll, in that, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that hill's not that long, but I think you've learned a lot about yourself mentally. Oh yeah, it's just that steep, man. And when you watch yeah, it on TV, and you watch it on TV, on the NBC series, you know, 
and you see him going up it, and you're like, well, it, you know, the TV does it no justice whatsoever. Oh, none whatsoever. I remember my, my very first race was in Florida uh, in 2015, and I pulled into the parking lot with <laughs> my wife and my daughter, and I remember saying to my wife, I was looking at the top of the mountain, and I've been skiing to go run that mountain since I'm like nine. And I was like, man, what are all those people doing up on the, up on the top there? It's like, they look like ants. <laughs> She's like, I have no clue. I said, well, they can't be taking us all the way up there. Like, that's <laughs> And then we climbed the mountain, and I was like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> I, I, I was like, damn, these people are carrying a sandbag. And, like, just knowing what kind of, like, difficulty that is to snowboard down, now you're up there climbing it, it's like, you, unless you're there and experience it, you literally, you, there's no comparison to it unless you're saying the death march in Killington, just simply due to the degree of the hill. Yeah, well, I mean, and here's the thing, like, the death march at Killington is super long, and it has, and it changes in steepness. But I don't think that there was any part of the hill on the death march that was steeper, that had a steeper incline than that top section of Palmerton. Because, I mean, you could just see it from the parking lot when you drove up. You were like, damn, that is a steep incline. And it was quick. Oh, yeah. I think that, I think the, my opinion of the Killington Death March is, it's, it's long, and again, it's just something that breaks you mentally, just because of how long it is. I know, I did Killington once. I did it in 2017. And I, my, when I got to the death march, I said to myself, I don't care if it takes me an hour to get up this thing, I'm not stopping. Yeah. And it, 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 if you can grind through it, you're fine. And I can see how the death march breaks a lot of people. Um, just because of how long it is. Yeah. But, I mean, if you took a third of the death march and had you throw two sandbags on or tell even one sandbag, that makes it oh, yeah. 15 times harder. Yep. And, and, and that is what they do at Palmerton. I mean, you're talking about, oh, yeah, down. man, it's, it's just crazy that, you know, they do that there. I mean, and, and I, I thought it was cool how they still incorporated the double sandbag there. Uh, last year, I want to say that was, I think that was the only race I went to where you carried a double sandbag. I, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was. I can't remember if we carried doubles at West Virginia or not. I don't think we did. Did you go to West Virginia last year? I did not go to West Virginia last year, but I will be there this year. Man, that's a, um, that's a cool venue. You will definitely enjoy it, and it's worth the trip. And I mean, that's not how far that's not a real far drive for you to go to that one, is it? No, it's about seven hours. So I, I'm coming down for a North Road trip. I qualified in Long Island in November. Uh, signed up for it, and uh, me and the family are coming down for like five days, hang out in West Virginia. Oh, cool! Uh, and do some racing. Yeah, we actually found this. Uh, Really cool place about 15 miles away. It's uh, the cabins at something, something. I forget the name of it. 
But uh, they have a bunch of log cabins, and then they got two tree houses. Oh, cool. Uh, so we actually we actually booked one of the uh, we're gonna stay in the tree house, uh, and then they got a lower deck on the tree house that has a hot tub. Oh, so, cool. Fifteen minutes away from the venue, come back, hit the hot tub. Um, I know I'm excited for to come down, and my daughter was like, Dad, once I'm done racing, like we get back and we just hang out in the hot tub and relax. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, we stayed in like last year when we went, we stayed in this micro tail that was kind of of a bad micro tail. It wasn't a good micro tail, it was a bad one, but the cool thing about it was is it had an indoor pool and an indoor hot tub and after we finished that beast we just went back and forth between the pool and the hot tub just to kinda of recover and it, it worked it worked pretty good. But I think we I'll tell you what- we stayed a little south of Glen Jean, and I forget the and Beckley. It was Beckley, West Virginia, was where we stayed at. But if you, when you're going to Glen Jean, you're on this highway, and you take I forget what the the number of the highway is, but you would take a right to turn into the venue. And if you didn't take that right and you kept going, I, I believe it would be north. It was maybe like another four or five miles. There's this huge like metal bridge that like goes across the valley there and it's oh yeah it's the gorge bridge yeah 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 so if you've never done that you definitely want to check that out because the first year we went we didn't even go but i went last year we're definitely gonna we're definitely gonna do some some hiking and stuff talking about hotels though i'll tell you what the best hotel i ever stayed at for a race was at the ocr world championships up in collingwood ontario right went up there me and three of my teammates went up in 2017, and we stayed at this place called the Living Water Resorts. Uh, it was very well priced, and the place was phenomenal. Uh, the roof had a running track on it. Oh, cool! There was a hot tub and sauna in the resort, and it was like four miles away from the venue. Oh, that's awesome! We came back. Dude, we came back after the 3K, grabbed some food, hung out. Uh, some of the guys hit the sauna. Um, 15K hit the sauna. Excuse me. Uh, it was just, it was like everything you could you could want, and it was great. If, if they ever go back there, whoever races, anybody that races there, I would highly, highly suggest uh, that hotel. It was phenomenal. That's pretty cool. I See, man, I would have loved to have went to that event, you know, because I heard it was so great the first year, and I was thinking about going the next year, man, because, but it was just, it was still a pricey trip for me being all the way here in the south, you know, to fly up there. Oh, yeah, that's a heck of a, heck of a flight, heck of a drive. Yeah, man, but that, people talked about just how great that race was, and the venue was great, and the little town where it was at was just, it was very welcoming, and just, it was a, just a cool atmosphere altogether. Yeah, we went to, we went to Norham's, uh, me and a bunch of teammates went to Norham's last year, um, and, you know, Stratton was, was beautiful, I mean, I love Vermont, Stratton's beautiful, uh, venue was great, races were great, um, but if I had to compare, uh, you know, Stratton to, Collingwood, Ontario. I would take Collingwood any day of the week. Oh wow! 
Yeah, I heard a lot of good things about Strat too. But Strat was a lot of fun then. It was a lot of fun. But if I'm going to Vermont, I'm going to do the Ultra Beast. So, and that's what we're going to do this year. I know a lot of people said, no, you need to go do Norams. You need to go do Norams. And I'm thinking, well, it's cheaper if I go up there and do Spartan because I've got the pass. So, Yeah. I'm all about saving money. <laughs> I hear you on that, man. Man, you got to. when you if, you if you get into OCR and you run a lot of races, it adds up quick. And, I mean... And a lot of people are negative to Spartan, you know. They talk about the prices and all the nickel and dime stuff. But all the races do that. All the franchises do that. And if you buy a pass through Spartan, it is the cheapest way for you to get your OCR fix. They have the most locations. And it to, it, to me, it's just the best bang for your buck. And to me, I feel like... And I, I haven't done a Tough Mudder, but I've done Savage, I've done Bone Frog, I've done Terrain, and I've done Rugged. To me, I think Spartan incorporates the, the venue terrain into their race more than the other companies do. And that's what makes it challenging. So it, it's, it's almost like it's, yes, it's an obstacle course race, but it's an an obstacle course race with rugged terrain where is a lot of the like terrain and rugged i feel like they put their obstacles on the course in the easiest way for them to create the race you know what i mean yeah i mean i totally i totally get what you mean i think um just from doing build with uh spartan for the last few years volunteering I mean, there's, there's so much that goes into building a course, and this is regardless of any brand. Um, there's so much that goes into it that I can guarantee you 98% of anybody in the OCR community does not understand uh, why obstacles are placed where they are, why water stations are placed where they are. There's just so much that goes into like the logistic side of things that um, it's it's very difficult to be new and fresh. And you know, Spartan does a good job with beating you up with the ter- with the terrain. That's what I think. Um, and a lot of a lot of people love it. I mean, I love racing the the terrain, um, especially those the ski resorts and stuff oh, yeah. like that. But at the same time, like I'm an obstacle guy. So I need to get my fix of trying to do some harder obstacles. So that's why I run, I'll do some Savage for some, for, for some grip stuff. I mean, I'm really fortunate for the area that I live in. I can drive an hour and a half in any direction uh, throughout the course of the year, and I could probably hit 10 to 12 different races. Yeah, Savage is fun, man. They do have some very innovative and very cool obstacles, totally. I, I mean, I, honestly, I think the perfect OCR race would be take a Spartan course on a mountain and throw out all of Spartan obstacles and put in Savage obstacles. Now, like I said... I agree. I'm an obstacle guy. I'm a rig guy. So for me, that would be like heaven. I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there that would be like, "No, I man, screw that. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to do that shit." 
And, I mean, that's totally fine. I think that's what's great about the sport is there's so many different brands and series and, and venues that you can kind of, you can pick and choose. It's almost like, uh, you know, paint by numbers. You can you can do whatever whatever you want to do. Yeah. But that would be cool. Could you imagine having like a savage race at Palmerton, you know, and they put those obstacles up in them heels like Spartan does? That would be epic. Dude, you'd have to kick me off that mountain because I would not leave. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. And you have the band penalty and not the burpee penalty. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun, too. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, man, we, like we said, we run in Florida this weekend, dude. And, I mean, it's so flat down there. And, like, the first part of the course was just a mile and, you know, it had just those few obstacles in it that would slow you down just a little bit, like hurdles and over walls and hay walls, you know. And it had a barbed wire crawl that, that wasn't, you know, extremely long, but it did go up a small incline. And the first mile was just so freaking fast, man. And I was just dying, you know. And all the fast runners are just, like, walking off, you know. But, you know, it was still just... I mean, it's still just a fun course, man. I was just happy to be down there in some warm weather while everybody was freezing at Tri-State. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I looked at the map. The map looked looked pretty cool, looked interesting, especially the venue. I thought it was super funny to compare, though, the uh, elevation between uh, – Tri-State and, and, and that course. <laughs> there, was, there was the little elevation on the sandbag, but you probably got that much elevation just walking around the venue before you started the race at New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, most likely. <laughs> but, I mean, it was cool. It was a fun weekend, and I was just happy to, man, because I, I didn't have the money to afford to fly to New Jersey this year. So I'm just glad I was able to do a race the same weekend because I was totally, you know, getting sad. I wasn't running the ultra with everybody else, you know, seeing everybody's post and, you know, after the race and them getting ready for the race. I was like, damn, I kind of want to run the ultra. So I was glad we had a sprint to distract us too. <laughs> yeah, those, the, uh, the ultra guys are, are uh, a different breed of person. Yeah. I, I run ultra there last year. And, uh, man, those steep downhills, they get to you after a while, man. It starts hurting your knees and hurting your hip flexors. It makes out for a long day. Of course, any ultra makes out for a long day. I don't care how fast you do it. It's still a long time on your feet, just banging out terrain and obstacles. Man. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, seeing some of those, you know, you look at Atkins time, of, I think it was like 601. And you look at like you look at the open times or and even even age group times and you see you know, nine, ten, eleven, twelve hours like Yeah. That's just it's it's crazy. I mean my thing for the ultra is, you know, being a small guy, I, I, I just I don't want to do a sandbag or a bucket carry toys. That's why I'm not signing up for the ultra. <laughs> uh I mean I did America's toughest mutter, you know, I hit thirty miles, I qualified and and for worlds, and I got no issues doing the doing that distance. Uh, me and my one teammate, uh, Chris Andrews, we're going to be going up to uh, Jim Thorpe in September, um, which is about a twenty minute drive from my house. Uh, and we're doing um, 
race called the Boulder Field 100. Uh, it's a 100K trail race. Oh, wow. So I don't, I mean, I don't have an issue with the distance, you know, or, or attempting that distance. It's just, I don't want to carry heavy shit twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I've gotten to where the, the, the double sandbags are kind of, those suck to me, but if it's just one sandbag, one bucket, you know, it's one of those things where you just don't stop moving, man. It's just the best thing to do. And if you got to stop, don't set it down. Just rest it on your quad. I don't know how many times I've yeah, seen man. people set a bucket down and sit on the bucket. If you sit on the bucket, man, that's taking a break. You're not going to want to get up and start again if you do that. <laughs> I can't. And that's the thing. There's so many, with, with any obstacle, there's so many little things that as you do this sport, you pick it up and you know what works, what doesn't work, yeah. um, and, 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 and how, to, how to conserve the energy, which is the biggest thing, you know. Some of these races are, you know, ultras, even even beasts are, you know, third wall. You've got to figure out how to conserve that, how to conserve that energy, and it's just the, the little stuff that you pick up along the way. And it's funny, like I was just working. Um, we have a uh, our team has a, a gym that a bunch of us work out at um, and stuff. And even some of the folks that go to the gym that that aren't a part of our team, you know, we'll help them out. And I was teaching, giving some like simple simple obstacle like tips to some some newbies and they were like i never even thought about doing that I'm like you'll save so much energy just doing this little thing it's like wow and she's like yeah you know it's all experience once you, you do yeah you, know, you do an obstacle 25 times you, you learn how to make it easier right I mean, and it's totally true because, like, uh, my buddy uh, Joe Laffery, or uh, Laffer, I can't, I probably can't say his last name right, but in Lake Lanier, and this past weekend, we just did fun laps, you know, and uh, we would always talk about, you know, how he does the obstacle and how I do the obstacle, and we'd talk about little things we would do coming up to it to kind of flow through it easier, you know, to where it's not as much of an expense of energy. You know, and it's just fun to do where you, you actually have time to kind of stand back a second and watch somebody else attempt to do the obstacle. And, you know, you kind of learn from each other and you get to, you know, just try different ways on the obstacle and just take your time and have fun with it, you know. And it's cheaper to do an oh, extra. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's cheaper to do an extra lap with a pass than instead of taking an obstacle course on Friday. <laughs> obstacle course class. Yeah. I think it's crazy that Spartan charges like 300 bucks to take those obstacle course training classes. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. They, they run, there's one every year uh, uh, that they offer up at Palmerton. I mean, I think that would be a load of fun. Don't get me wrong. But, man, the price, I can't justify that price. Like, I know my buddy Kevin Kevin Donahue did one in Atlanta, and I was like, man, I'm going to sign up for it, you know, and I'll go do it. And then I saw how much it was, and I was like, man, I just can't justify paying that much, you know. But, I mean, yeah, I just, Kevin's a good dude, too. I know Kevin. Yeah, I just think it'd be cool and fun just to hang out with a group of people and just all discuss obstacle critique, you know, all day long. I mean, I just think that would be fun. But, I mean, that price is, that's a little out there for me. Can't justify it. Can't do it. No, I hear you, man. 
Well, hey, Justin, man, I know I'm holding up a lot of your time, man. We're almost to an hour now, but I always like to ask people some questions, man, and I'll try to bang through them really fast, man. So, so this is like my favorite question because it always comes with a story. So to date, what has been your favorite race and why? What has been my favorite race and why? Um, I would say that my favorite race to date and why was um, Savage Race Pennsylvania in 2016. Um, and the only reason for that was when I got into this sport and kind of got serious, I wanted to try my goal was to try to qualify for the world OCR world championships. <laughs> I went to that race with the goal of finishing top 10, uh, in, in open. Cause I was just trying to run race age group at, at OCR WC. Cause I am by no means an elite racer. Um, and that was probably going to be my best chance. And I was able to, my goal was to finish 10th, that last person. Uh, I finished 8th, um, and then I, I only missed one obstacle, uh, and it was just a mistake on my own. So I think getting that first qualification for OCRWC and knowing that, you know, I can actually um, do it, I think was uh, my favorite race. And then... You know, as I progressed, it just got better and better. And, but that was that race that it clicked to me where, like, wow, okay, I can actually do this. Oh, shoot, man, that's awesome, dude. <clears throat> so was that the year you – that was the year you went to uh, Blue Mountain then, right? Or in Canada, right? Yeah, so I was I, – I qualified, and I was like, oh, cool, I qualify. I'm not going to go. <laughs> I, go I go to Pulaski, New York every year, salmon fishing. And it's always around the same time. Excuse me, and uh, qualified, and a bunch of my buddies were like, "Dude, you're an idiot if you don't go." And I heard some rumblings that, like, this is the last year it's going to. It's not going to come back for like ten years, and I was like, "Shit!" <laughs> All right, I'll go. So yeah, that was that was the year I qualified and the year I went. So that's that's something that will always be uh, near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I know. Like that happened to me. Uh, I got in 2017 when all they had was just the elite heat for Spartan. I got my coin to qualify for Tahoe at Fayetteville, which was the weekend before Tahoe. And everybody was like, <laughs> and everybody was like, you should go, you should go. And I was like, man, it's just too much money and it's too soon. I mean, I was still sore from running Fayetteville because I run both days. And then. So everybody was like, man, I'll help you. I'll help you pay for it and all this. And I was like, nah, I'll just, you know, I'll try it again and maybe I'll go next year. And then the next year they added age group and it was like twice as hard to earn a coin and all this jazz. So I don't know, but I don't, I don't really regret it because I mean, shoot, it's an expensive trip to go out to Tahoe and spend oh, all weekend yeah. there. But I just, I feel you there. You know, it was that pressure thing. So, okay, so what has been uh, the race 
you hated the most and why? The race I hated the most, hands down, the first year, that <laughs> Spartan did Greek peak. Oh, that really? race can kiss my ass and I will never go back again. <laughs> why is that? I've always heard everybody I've talked to has always said, oh, it's so fun. You need to come up here. You need to come up here. I'll tell you what. It looks cold as hell I, to me. I am a cold weather person. I love the cold. I absolutely hate summer. If it's over 80 degrees, I want to start swinging up people. I, I just, my body doesn't take it. I just, I, I can't handle it. However, that race was so freaking cold. <laughs> um, it was, it was just, it was, it was horrible. I was, I, I just, as much as I like the winter and, and the snow, you know, I, I, I snowboarded growing up, um, You'll never see me back at that race. Yeah. Um, it was just too damn cold, too damn windy. Uh, I don't want to pick an Atlas ball up with five inches of ice on it. I'm yeah. a small dude, like I said numerous times. If the Atlas ball weighs X amount of weight, I don't need to add 50 pounds to that weight. Yeah, um, yeah you'll you'll never see me at that race again. You, you could not pay my entry, pay my lodging, <laughs> pay my food, and get my ass to be up there. Man, see, I mean, I, I don't like the cold races either. So, I, you know, and I always see everybody there and, you know, they got their dry robes on after the race. And, you know, and, and that was one thing that didn't, you know, hurt my feelings about missing New Jersey is because people were talking about how cold it was. Their hands were getting cold and it was making them fail obstacles. I was like, yeah, no, that's not me. You got that. You got that warm southern blood, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. <laughs> I mean, we we did the ultra at Spartanburg last year, and it was thirty degrees at the start of that, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> but it warmed up to like sixty, so you know, you're like, what do I wear, you know, to make it through this day, you know? So I kind of like well, comp. I didn't want to like change gear at the drop bin and take up more time. So I had a thermal compression long sleeve shirt. And so I wore my hoodie like until right before I got into the starting gate. So I took my hoodie hold off. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said it was 60? It got up to 60 that day. It got up to 60 and you needed a thermal compression long sleeve? No, it started at 30 degrees in the morning, dude. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. there was like ice on oh, the man. obstacles, man. Oh, yeah, I'd have had my shirt off. I mean, I'll run with my shirt off if it's in the high 40s, you know, and just wear thermal compression bottoms. You know, I can yeah, do... No, no, I, I got you. Yeah, when it's 30, you know, I can do that, I, I but... Totally it was 30, you know, so before we get into the starting corral, it was like you, you couldn't feel your hands and your toes already. They were they were already numb. And I was like, well, it's going to be, you know, 50 degrees probably before I get back to the drop bin. And I don't want to be sweating like a pig, you know, in a thermal compression shirt. So I took one of my thermal compression shirts and I cut the sleeves off of it and just made a custom. <laughs> so that way, and it actually... It actually pretty worked worked pretty pretty good. I was happy with it, but yeah, man, that was a cold race. I mean, like Bender, all the pipes on Bender Bender were just covered in ice, man. It was 
it was sketchy to yeah, jump up rough. on it and grab it. Olympus was, I grabbed uh, the holes on Olympus and moved over one sheet of plywood and I dropped down. I was like, there's no way I'm making across this. It's a sheet of ice. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I'm not a cold weather uh, person either. I'll do them just because I love the sport, but, you know, I would much rather, it, you know, be hot for sure. I just, my hands get so cold, man. I just can't deal. I can't deal. <laughs> well, hey, Justin, man, we've we've already gone over an hour here, man, and I don't want to hold you up, man, but is there anything you want to add, dude? No, um, just uh, thanks for having me on, man. I had, a, I had an absolute blast talking with you, and uh, hopefully down the road we can, uh, we can do this one again. Heck yeah, man. We'll uh, see you in Palmerton for sure, man. Maybe you can tell us where all the good places to eat are there. Oh, man, there's... there's there's a few really good spots, man. Uh, hit, hit me up, and uh, I will definitely point you in the uh, right direction for some good food. Cool, man. That sounds good. We'll hang out after the race, too, man. For sure. All right. Appreciate it, Justin, man, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Sounds good, man. Have a good evening. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Justin again for taking time to talk to us. I really enjoyed talking to him about the uh, Tri-State race and the upcoming Palmerton race. Uh, that will be the next Spartan race I'll be at. Uh, hope to see some people up there and have a good time. I need to practice running some hills. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Leave a review. Also, if you want to uh, get on the Discord channel, we have a good time on there. Uh, just send me a private message and I'll send you an invite link to it. And we'll see you at the next race. Peace. Peace.